Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Love Talk Radio. Hey everyone, this is Tanya Clark Marinelli, creator of the Empowering Kids Program and InvestInYourselfCourse.com. And thank you for joining me again today. I'm really excited to have our guest, Christina Fletcher, on. And uh, I'll introduce her in just a moment. But first, I want to review a couple of things that are going on in my world. Um, so tomorrow night here in Winnipeg, from 6 to 8 p.m. at Glenwood Community Center, we're, I'm going to be offering a workshop. Okay, It's very inexpensive. It's $20 just to basically cover costs. But we're going to be talking for two hours all about the most um, the most important ingredient for your child's success. And I'm going to – it's going to be an amazing workshop. We have quite a few people signed up. Still a few spots if you guys want to hop in there. And then on March 13th, we are going to be having a workshop, Mind Death Behind Fitness. Really excited for that. And that is sponsored by Women's Healthy Living, guys. So this is a free event. So do what you can to get there because we're going to be having some amazing free content there that many, many people pay a lot of money to receive and limited seating there as well. So um, any more information on that, let us know. I'm super excited to be announcing that the Empowering Kids program is has found a new location, an amazing location for the spring break Empowering Kids Nature Camp. So hurry up. We're only taking 20 kids. There's only 20 spots available and 15 spots on the bus. And if you register before March 1st, your transportation fee is waived. So hop on over to www.empoweringkidsprogram.com and register your child today for that extremely unique experience. And uh, one more thing. If uh, you are feeling stuck in your life and you have no motivation and you have certain things that you want to do, oh, we're hearing a lot of noise, background noise. Um, and if you feel like you, there's some, uh, you know, you want to figure out what it is that you want to experience in your life or maybe you're starting up a new business, maybe you're, you have this new adventure that or journey or whatever it is for you that you would love uh, to explore and you're not sure how to do it, then online is for you. Um, we've moved everything over online, so no matter where you are in the world, you can sign up and be with us. Now, I'm going to introduce Christina um, with Spiritually Aware Parenting. Now, she is a spiritually aware parenting coach and author. Her first book was written about being spiritually aware during pregnancy and the first two years of baby's life. Her work focuses on finding that connection in which the chaos, as well as using the law of the... Oh, admit. Sorry, I I missed the word there. Um, As well as using the law of attraction to create happy parenting experiences. Maybe I'll touch base with you on that Christina she has written four books blogs through her website freelances for numerous international publications as well as hosts both a Facebook page and an ever-growing Facebook group community which I am so happy to be a part of so Christina also has three children all whom she homeschools with her husband Jeff so without further ado I'm going to welcome Christine to the show welcome Christine how are you I am very well, thank you, and thank you so much for having me. This is very exciting. It's lovely to be here with you. Uh, I'm so um, happy yeah, that you're it's here. Yeah. So thank throughout you. the show, throughout the show, Christina and I may overlap our words. There's a little bit of a delay, probably like a four or five second delay in um, our phone lines. We're not sure why. 
but we're going to be very aware of that and do what we can to continue the show despite that. And um, so I attended Christina's workshop a couple of weeks ago about um, all on spiritually aware parenting. And when I attended it, I thought it was amazing. And I thought, my gosh, I got to have you on the show. So Maybe before we begin everything, you can just kind of touch base on our connection and what journey you experienced and how you got to where you are right now and what you're doing right now. Well, like you said, we met um, at the workshop a couple of weeks ago, and that was such an exciting um, event for me. Um, I am actually from Nova Scotia. Uh, we live out east, my family and I, and a few months ago, we kind of just found it in our path that it was right to jump into the car and plan some events and start visiting family across the country. So right now, we're staying with my sister and her family in their their house in Winnipeg, and, and it's just been a fantastic journey so far, seeing how we really processed here because we were listening to what was supposed to fall into place and with that all of these wonderful things have kind of unfolded with that um, really showing what the kind of what I work with with the sense of kind of tapping into the flow and letting these things kind of unfold as they go so um, and the event that we met at was actually one of those things that it kind of just fell into place all at the right time in the right place with the right people and um, sitting in that circle with all of you was just so beautiful because there's just a great um, variety of different people that were kind of bouncing off of each other. And we did some great creating that day, I must admit. And um, yeah, and since then, really what I'm working on right now is we've got the Facebook community, which I love having you there too. And um, I would love to welcome anyone who wants to join who's listening in. It's, um, it's a really exciting place to kind of share ideas and share issues that people are having. And uh, that is one of the... Yeah, it's, it's become an exciting unfolding. And as I plan more workshops and planning more online offerings, I'm working on putting together a webinar and an online course. And um, then, of course, I'm doing my one-on-one -on -one coaching as well. And, yeah, so basically what I do, um, kind of answer that other part of the question, is um, I help parents tap into who they really are. I help them connect to their authentic selves and to parent from there. And that's really what my work is about. It's, I, for a very long time, um, a long time ago, I guess, I, when my daughters were first born, I didn't realize that I could be my authentic self in a parenting scenario. I thought there was all these shoulds and shouldn'ts, and I thought I had to be the one in control, and I thought I had to be the boss, and I thought I had to have a schedule, and I had everything under some sort of dictatorship. And then I realized that that was really not the way that I was incredibly unhappy, that I was incredibly tired, that I was wearing myself out, and I didn't even really recognize myself when I looked in the mirror. And over time, I realized that I wanted to go back to who I'd been before. I'd, I'd met my husband on this journey of, uh, well, basically a spiritual journey where I just was listening intuitively to where I was supposed to go at the right time, at the right place. Um, I was meditating a lot. I was working a lot with the law of attraction. And when my daughters were about four or five, I went, this is how I want to parent. This is how I want to live. I want to live in a space of joy again. And that was really um, where it all came from. So I started that with my daughters. And then all of a sudden, um, we became pregnant. And it was at a time where there was a lot of turmoil go going on, both in things like the hospitals with swine flu, and then also just in my own personal life. And I kind of said to my unborn son, okay, you and I better do this together on some different level, because otherwise it's not going to go well. And he really did from about 16 weeks on, he was starting, I was getting a sense of how he wanted things to go. And he, I would get worried and he'd give me a good wallop kick and say, hey, things are okay, don't worry. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, okay, okay. And so we just developed this great connection. And he taught me so much of how spiritually we can be linked to our family, to our children. Um, he taught me so much of how by being authentic to myself and really listening to my own inner connection to who I am, um, I was a better parent. 
and all all problems after that. He had colic, and I dealt with it differently than I did with my girls. And I would take it as his cue of saying, "Okay, let's let's deal on a more peaceful platform," and we'd go for walks together, and and everything just unfolded in a most more loving, more peaceful, more spacious space. And that was why I wrote my first book, because I knew that that was what I wanted to pass on to other parents. Because if someone had passed that on to me early on, I would have been very, very thankful. (laughs) Wow, I love that. I love that. Can you share with us a little bit about your book? Sure. Well, I have four books out right now. Um, My first one is called Who They Really Are, and it is about um, pregnancy and then goes into the first two years of a baby's life. So it really follows. um, When I work with clients through pregnancy, I basically break it down where the first I break it down in actually the trimesters. If they start early enough on, I can do it in the in the, tri- the three trimesters, where the first three months is broken down in the book as well, about really getting to know yourself, um, about getting to know who you are, getting to recognize your own instinctual voice, um, deciding what you believe about certain things, going back, revisiting your, par- your own parenting experiences of being a child and what worked for you, what didn't work for you, remembering who you are as a child so then you can recognize that as well, and kind of revisiting yourself. And then the next trimester is divided up in the book um, about getting to know your baby and kind of understanding um, who your baby really is, um, what they're perceiving, the fact that they're actually, even within the womb, they're observing so much and they're already receiving information and deciding what they like and what they don't like. And then the last um, part of that, like last trimester is then focused on preparing for your journey together and working together and communicating together. And then the rest of the book then kind of breaks down from going from an infant and what their perception of feeling good is, um, the fact that babies live in the moment so much and the fact that we can learn so much from that, the fact that their state of, um, if you perceive the fact that um, as spiritual beings, we are positive spiritual beings. So because we're positive, when we're feeling good, when we're happy, when things are flowing, it means that we are connected to who we really are. It means that we're connected more on a spiritual level. We're functioning with all aspects of ourselves. Um, And when you're feeling negative, when you're feeling cranky or anxious or stressed, that's an indicator of feeling disconnected from that then you can kind of see that in a baby where they're so connected and then all of a sudden they're hungry and they're so disconnected. (laughs) So they kind of function in that zone all the time of on, off, on, off. And um, Mm -hmm. so really the rest of the chapters really explore that, that a child's life is so on, off, on, off. And as parents, if we can help them keep feeling that really strongly in a lot of ways so that when they're feeling connected, we really relish in that. And then when they're feeling off, we help them find that connection again. Um, it stops it from being so muddled all the time. Like as a society, we're really raised to kind of put up with stuff, you know? And so we get kind of unclear of what actual connection feels like. We actually lose a sense of who we are just through putting up with stuff. Um, and when, even if they have to, you know, it's kind of like, oh, well, you have to kind of suffer through life. But if you go, well, yeah. There's things that you have to do, but you can do them with a cheerful heart and with a different perspective and then stay yourself um, by passing, doing that really early on. You're giving kids such a great foundation of who they are because for the rest of their life, they can kind of go, oh, I'm really stressed out. That means I'm not functioning as who I am. Wait, Mm -hmm. how can I be more aware of how I feel and change what I'm thinking about? So yeah, that's, that's the first book. Then the other few books that I've written um, actually kind of bounced off of that just because I've been writing, I've, I ended up writing a lot of affirmations and a lot of passages um, and different paragraphs of kind of, I call them quick pick-me-ups for the soul. So they're kind of oh. quick refocuses. And so they, um, then those, I, I wrote a few books, a, a few books kind of developed out of them where they're basically books that you just grab, um, be it bathroom books or quick on the shelf books. So you don't actually have to read them for very long. You just grab them, 
open them up at any given page, and half the time you're going to land on something that kind of goes, yes, that was what I needed. <laughs> so that's basically Ooh. where they came from. So the, yeah, so, yeah. So it's been a really where, exciting journey. It's, yeah. Where can where can we find those books? Well, you can actually find them directly on my website, um, which is spirituallyawareparenting.com. Um, they're also on Amazon and, um, yeah, Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and a few of the various online retailers. But most of them, like, you can, all, you can get all of them off of my website. And actually, if you join my Facebook page, you can actually get a 25% discount off of that. There's a discount code right on the page. Perfect. That is awesome. What's your what's your Facebook page called? Spiritually Aware Parenting. Yes. Yes. Okay. So that would be that would be pretty easy for people to find for sure. Um, yes. That is awesome. I I I really like that. Um, so one thing that stuck out when you were talking about the second trimester was it the second trimester and how the baby is very aware and um, taking a lot of things in, deciding what he likes, doesn't like. How is that all happening? Well, I mean, really, for all of our lives, we all function through our senses. And for a baby, when you actually consider um, their, they've, they've got their hearing, so they've got that uh, where they are continually hearing the world that they haven't seen yet. Um, and then they also perceive it through... Um, emotions. They're they're getting. They have a sixth sense of what's going off in their environment. So I mean, the mere fact that if you watch yourself when you're pregnant and you kind of are in a stressful situation, um, maybe around people who you feel insecure around, you can actually feel your baby sense that, and you can feel your baby move differently than um, when they're just relaxed at home. They're observing life through an energy scale. You know, um, if you go, I remember when I was pregnant with our first daughter and I was going, I think I went to see the one of the Star Wars movies or the movie theater and she was just in panic. She was just, I had to get out of there. She was just all over the place. She was bouncing everywhere. And you could tell that she was reacting to me reacting um, to what I was, what, what I was putting in my mind, what I was observing. And she observed through that. Pregnancy is this amazing, amazing time where you kind of find that you, I mean, instead of five or six senses for yourself, you have like 10 or 12, right? Where you're like, you're two energy beings within one. And um, we were that raised makes... to see it as a medical. Yeah. Uh, sorry. sorry, go ahead. Because of the over... Yeah, because of the overlap, I just kind of say something and then wait for you to hear it. <laughs> um, no, I, okay. So, oh, what was I going to say now? That makes total sense because 90 I – was, I was doing some research the other day cause I ha, for this uh, workshop tomorrow, and like 93% of communication is nonverbal, right? So it's all the emotions that we're feeling and things that we're perceiving and things like that. So that does make sense that your baby is going to sense and feel these emotions. It does. It does. Well, babies are um, – well, and people talk about it. They know about it. They know that a baby senses energy. But it's funny how we kind of store it in this kind of inconvenient space of going, oh, well, we won't really function that. I'm sure they just need changing, right? Or it's 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 a big leap to kind of say, oh, they're reacting to what my house is feeling like. You know, that takes on a whole different overwhelming thing. When really, if you kind of bring it home and just say, wait, they're reacting to what I'm feeling. What am I feeling? If I'm stressed, like I'm stressed, so that's making them stressed. They're stressed, which is making me more stressed. You know, you can kind of create this very pragmatic, sensitive um, communication skills when you actually recognize the energy that happens between you and your baby. And you sense that because sometimes we notice our baby's stress before we notice ourselves stressed, Right. So it really can be this kind of um, this beautiful time, you know, where you, you kind of go, I mean, how often it's more common than not to be all stressed out that your baby needs changing again. Usually at the most 
inopportune time or I mean and it's true in older children too someone always needs to go to the bathroom when they've got their snowsuit on right so yeah it's those kind of things and you can feel it so then you get more stressed out and mm -hmm. then they sense you kind of getting stressed out and then they get more stressed out so you get stressed out where really if you go okay well we want to feel better we want to make sure we're functioning from who we are so let's stop and we'll get you undressed and we'll do what we need to do and let's sing a song or do something goofy while we do it and it will help us slow down because maybe we would just you know do something or hit traffic if we just you know had the had rushed out the door at that time so let's just trust this is all working out and let's do something kind of goofy while we wait all of a sudden you're feeling more relaxed so then your baby or your child is going oh okay yeah you're not as stressed yeah. so I'm not as stressed and the cycle kind yeah. of progresses mm -hmm. and yeah and that's really where the whole law of attraction element comes in where when you consider that the law of attraction is really what the that energy is and the universe recognizes what you're sending out and then responds to that um, the law of attraction will always repeat to you what you're putting out so it snowballs again. If you and your child are radiating stress, then that's where you're going to get more situations to call up that stress, right? Yeah. So it all feeds in. Oh. And it's interesting when you can kind of learn so much from your children because they are there in that present moment. They're, they're in the midst of that. They're just, they know all this. The minute they arrive, they're going, okay, so we're we're energy beings and what we put out, we get more of and we're doing all this through feeling and we're doing all this through energy. And they usually are born into a situation where it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. no, come on. So I, I have a question. Um, so years ago, I I've studied Paul Check and his holistic uh holistic nutrition coaching because I, I started my practice out in holistic nutrition coaching and um, and he knows so much about so many different areas and I remember him speaking once about um, pregnancy and children going through puberty and he said something about um, when you're pregnant and you, and you have like a like I don't know traumatic experiences or you're very depressed or you're you have a very unhappy experience when you're pregnant those, that's kind of, uh, okay, so then let me just finish first. So then you have a very unhappy pregnancy, and then when your child is going through puberty and their hormones are changing and everything like that, that is where they reflect their experience in the womb. Have you ever heard anything like that? No. Okay. <laughs> um, to be honest, um, no, but there is a lot of um, there's a lot of studies going on right now with us passing on our DNA and a lot of um, how trauma and stress can actually be embedded in your DNA and how all of those things can too be passed on um, through our children and through those kind of and reemerge later on in life of how they deal with things. So even if you took but, I mean, I've heard of it now because you just told me. So, um, but really, if you were to take something like that, I, I always tell people it's kind of funny because you do have your physical reality. You have your physical body. And uh, that I always say, well, you know, if I don't drink water, I do get cranky. Now, I can sit there till doomsday trying to change what I'm thinking so I'm not cranky. Or I can go mm -hmm. have a drink of water. <laughs> right? So, if... Oh, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so I kind of go... Go ahead. It's funny. You said water, and I'm like, oh, I just had to open my water bottle and have some water. No, go ahead. <laughs> I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> okay. No, that's okay. There you go. <laughs> that's just what's going on with the day, maybe. It's just water. Uh, <laughs> but it, <laughs> I it, well, so. no, it's just... Um, there you go. <laughs> well, and it's mm -hmm. funny because so then you kind of go, take it from the baby's perspective. A baby, because babies, nobody's a victim in this reality, right? Where it's all like a baby chooses their 
platform of what they can learn from their life. So as a spiritual being, you kind of go out there and you go, okay, I'm going to have this horrendous experience as a baby and even in, even in pregnancy. So I'm going to have this kind of trauma or as in, within the womb. And then we'll see how that pans out and how it affects my life. So then they kind of have that experience in the womb. And if then, then everything after that um, then provides a platform. And in that platform, every single person has a choice of how they react or how they act. And then by the time they're a teen, what they've observed, how they've reacted, who they've kind of chiseled themselves out to be, what feels good, what doesn't feel good, then that is what their launching place for that puberty will be. Um, if you consider, yeah, just by how they've observed the world. Does that make sense? It, yes, absolutely. Okay. So, if, okay, go ahead. No, I'm just going to say, so therefore, it, sometimes I think we have a tendency to make such generalizations over certain periods of times in our lives when really everything is about having the toolbox to deal with every given situation and kind of going, I mean, you, and that shows up in so many different situations, doesn't it? Where, I mean, you have people like Oprah Winfrey who had such a horrendous childhood, but because of that, she rebelled against that and she created something good. Um, and you have that so often where you kind of almost go, wow, if you hadn't had the bad childhood, if you hadn't had, even within the womb, if you hadn't been going, you know, so many children are, are hear so many things and observe so many things within the womb, um, be it in abusive relationships or be it in, in whatever that, that pans out to be, that you kind of go, well, would they have launched to be the people they are today if they hadn't had that as their contrast that they were observing life with? Like, what are I'm the so, choices that we make daily? I'm so glad that you brought that up because that's, that's actually something that I use in almost all of my talks that I do because I wouldn't be doing what I do and I wouldn't have the knowledge unless I experienced everything that I had growing up. And I didn't have the best upbringing. I did, you know what I mean? Like I had some serious um, obstacles and challenges growing up. And and without without all of those experiences, I wouldn't I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. I wouldn't be you know have created the Empowering Kids program, the um, Empowering Women's program, nothing like that. So I I can totally attest to that. And when I first heard that. Um, was when my daughter was going through um, some challenging years, and it really brought peace to me because I, I, you know, at that time, if your if your child is going through whatever as a teenager, you're blaming yourself. You're feeling guilty. Oh, I should have done this. I should have done that. And to hear that from a coach that I was seeing at the time, she said, you know, every experience that she has is is going to serve her. Like just, you know of course, do all the meditations and protect her and, and um, be there for her in all these other ways. But release the guilt of the experiences that she's going to have and just trust that the universe, God, divinity, whatever it is that you believe in, is going to take care of her and these experiences are going to serve her, right? And uh, it was probably the most, useful, yeah, the most useful piece of information um, while parenting a teenager that I've ever received. Well, yeah, and what's interesting is that the more open you are with that, um, the more your child gets it as well. And then the minute they go, oh, the minute they appreciate the mess that they're in or how bad they're feeling, then they're appreciating. So because they're appreciating, all of a sudden they're starting to feel better. Which is kind of mm. kind of the vicious circle in all of our lives, where for all of us, um, you can sit there moaning and complaining until doomsday, but it's going to keep kind of you're going to just be in that space. You're going to that's where you're going to live. Or you can say, all right, I've had this experience. What is the opposite? What do I want to feel? If this feels so bad, what do I want to feel? What am I saying that I'm working towards? Because this is helping me figure out what I want 
You know, like mm-hmm. what you don't want is also a way of telling yourself what you want. So therefore, yeah. you can launch. You know, you can push forward. And it is so interesting because you can have the people who have had horrendous upbringings and launch themselves to amazing things. And they have those great extremes going. And then you can have the kid who had an okay upbringing who just kind of put it along but noticed all the horrible things, you know, when they stubbed their toe and made such a big deal of it. And they're still in that space. When they're older, they'll still be the, the grown-up who – is moaning about their nine to five job and you know, that, that they have to stay up late or they, you know, like it, they still are in that moaning space. And so sometimes mm-hmm. the place um, in the world's view, in society's view, those extremes are really bad. But in the spiritual space, you kind of go, wow, it's like pulling back a slingshot and how far do you go, you know, on either side. So they, it's kind of interesting when they say those kind of things about um, children in the womb and how then that plays out in their puberty because it's still making massive generalizations saying, well, a teenager is no different than a 25-year-old in so many things. Maybe they'll have more chemical different balances, but it's still, we still all make our choices all the time. Uh-huh. I, yeah, and, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, no, and even a toddler, um, even a little baby is still making choices, even though we don't see them, um, they are still, you know, you, you, if you say no to a little toddler for reaching for something, they have a choice to flip out at you, or they have a choice to accept the other thing you're offering. Those are like little tiny minute choices, but that's a way of observing through choices. Oh, well, if I do it this way, I'm still happy. Oh, if I do it this way, I'm feeling really upset. It's still it's still ways of playing in an emotional space. It's still a way of experiment. Wonderful. I love that. So there's two things that I that I want to bring up today. The first thing is, mm-hmm. you know, I've this show is all about um, different ways to empower you know, yourself and your children, all those tools, wonderful tools. And I love the information that you're sharing today. Now, one thing that I want to um, chat about is the visualization that you took us through in your workshop, which was extremely um, powerful. And the second thing that I, uh, that I wanted to talk about is how you homeschool. Like, what does homeschooling look to you? I know what it looks like for me, um, and there's a lot of different ways out there, but this is the first time that I've actually had somebody on the show who is homeschooling themselves. And I, there's a lot of people out there, there's a lot of listeners out there who have questions about it and who aren't sure about it. And, you know, I just had somebody ask me the other day, and I've had this question asked me so many times is, did you go to school so you could learn how to homeschool, right? Have you ever been asked that? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Okay, so, well, so be, be, before we hop into the visualization that I experienced in your workshop, can you share with us how you homeschool and, and what it looks like to you? Sure, absolutely. Well, one thing that's kind of funny, a little, a little fact, is um, the fact that I was homeschooled on and off all my childhood. So my mom was one of the pioneers, actually here in Winnipeg, um, and she was kind of one of the pioneers of homeschooling, of kind of plowing forth with my sisters and I, of saying, nope, this school isn't working, Um, I'm homeschooling them. And so off and on, we were in different alternative programs or in different whatever, and then when that stopped working, we were back to homeschooling. So it gave me a bit of a a perception of it, of what worked and what didn't, right from the Mm -hmm. get-go. And then as far as my kids' journey with with us together, because that's really how I see it, um, we do uh, our the homeschooling journey that we're on is not so much me homeschooling them. I, I see it as us doing homeschooling. Um, I have my two daughters especially are, well, they're 13 and 12, so they're really kind of, um, they're they're very heavily involved of how we work things. And when something doesn't work, it's all about the conversation. So basically, that's really how we kind of 
perceive it as an overview. And then how that kind of plays out is we, at the beginning of the year, will look at what is a general overview of what needs to be learned or what they're supposed to be learning and or how to kind of progress steadily of what they need to learn to proceed. And then really it's kind of on them a lot of the time, especially my eldest, she does not want to be told what to do. <laughs> and quite honestly, she comes up with these great alternatives that I go, well, that's so much better than what I could have found. So she'll be doing things like she was doing, she found this program over in England. So it was actually put out by the BBC. So this year she was doing this program to the BBC that took it up till age 16 and she was watching all their videos and doing all their tests. And then she'd say, okay, well, that's pretty much done. So now I need a workbook. So we'd go and we'd find her a workbook. And she's going, well, I need to really, we talked about how she needed to do her writing. And she'll kind of come back to the table with, well, I don't really want to do that kind of writing. So can I focus on this? So now she's working on writing some fan fiction that she likes because she discovered fan fiction and she decided to do her own. So really, it's I try to guide it through their interests to make sure it's passion driven and not... Um, the fact that it's it's just about you have to learn this. Um, I yeah. didn't want it to become a stagnant learning situation. I know for me, it was like, well, you have certain things you have to learn, and that's it. You have to learn them. And I remember trying to learn the multiplication table, standing in front of our basement door, watch, looking at this list of numbers that would kind of blur and dance about and not registering them whatsoever. And I never realized what the learning that I was supposed to be doing, how it would serve me later on. And also, I never realized that even after you hit grade 12, even after you've done university, you're always learning. And I yeah. think those two fundamental things um, is really what drives me for homeschooling. It, it's a question of going, well, you want to learn this because then you can do this and this. And also kind of understanding, too, if this isn't clicking right now, let's work on something that is clicking because when it's the right time, this will click into. And that's that mostly prominent with my, like my, my, my second daughter. She was, Oh, like through, through the early years, she was a girl that like would put her head on the workbook and cry. And I was like, this is not how I want it to go. <laughs> oh, yeah. she was just tormented by the idea of it and then she would see her older sister plow forth because she was the really academic one the eldest so she wanted to be learning all this stuff so there was like this twixt and torn where my my second daughter just really wanted to play and she wanted to learn through play and she wanted to do all these things through creativity and really it was only when we said that's fine you know what let's just as long as you can read and as long as you can kind of do some math let's just forget the whole thing and just do stuff through play and now she's 12, and all of a sudden she's going, you know what? It's time I was doing that stuff. Let's do it. And she has yeah. actually, she on her own accord went back to some previous grades and went through the workbooks, and she's working through all the workbooks to make sure she's got her basement covered. And now she's just taking off with it all. And I'm like, I love yeah, that. all in the right time. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Well, and like, that's, like, um, mm-hmm. No, go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, you got to love working with this delay. Um, but it's working well. Now, that's kind of like the experience that I have with, with my two boys. My daughter, uh, is who's going to be 21, We she went through school. She ended up graduating in an alternative center, but she did. She went through school. We didn't homeschool her. We didn't even know about homeschooling with her. And um, and there was a lot of upsetting evenings. You know, she'd go to school all day long, and then we'd probably study with her, depending on which subject she was working on, one to three hours an evening. Her father and I, would that's how much time we would spend with her. And it wasn't a happy time. And then we experienced a little bit of that with, with the younger ones. But um, homeschooling, it's more, we don't even call it homeschooling. We call it kind of unschooling because it's like, um, we had to learn how to teach him according to his passions, right? And it's not academically, it's not like all of the academics. 
Of course, his father and I compromised. So yes, there's there's math, um, definite grade level math, if not above grade level math, because it's very important. And we got to compromise that way. But um, my youngest son is in grade four, and he didn't even really start reading until this year. And he chose to go back to school. Otherwise, I'd still be homeschooling him. He chose to go back to school, and he loves it, and he's thriving, and he's like totally into reading and math, and it's his thing now. But we, I, what I noticed was that the less we pushed him and the more we honored his pace, the, the, the more he embraced it when he was ready. And, and it was scary. Absolutely. And I'll let, you know, it was so scary because you think, is he ever going to want it? Is he ever going to learn to read? Is he ever, you know, and so on and so forth. But we, we really, really honored it. And now that he's reading, we're just so celebrating with him because now he's got a love for it. And it, isn't that, too, going back to what we were talking about, really, as a society, we, we – our children are born in with this concept of what really feels great and what they then what really doesn't. And as a society, we really try to file that down. And we've all had that filed down within us of saying, well, you have to do that. You've got to learn that now. What, you don't know that now? Well, that makes you stupid. Why are you like that? You know, you're failing. And it's like, what? Give me a couple of years. You know, I want to play. I want to play. I can learn that part, in a little bit. Our poor little ones, that affects their self-worth so much. It's It just, you know, mm-hmm. I feel it so deeply um, when, you know, they're even, you know, family members, because whatever, they don't need any harm, but they're like, what? You don't know that yet? Why don't you know that yet? And it's mm-hmm. just kind of like, you can see their little bodies kind of shrinking. But, of course, yeah. we teach that. No, I know, too, and it, right? that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and it's really, and it's funny because, I mean, um, our little boy, he's he's six, and he's only just now getting kind of curiosity of this kind of thing. And it's very funny because um, he saw the girls doing, they had this, oh, they had this math computer game called um, Dreambox, which is this phenomenal new math game, which gave my daughter such more confidence in her math. It was unbelievable. Um, and so he saw it, and he's like, well, I want to try that out. So he tried it out, and then all of a sudden he realized he totally loved math. So all of a sudden his schoolwork started even before it was really supposed to. And he's plowing forth on this and he's finding himself going grade after grade after grade. And he's feeling incredibly good about himself, but he still doesn't know how to read. And so therefore there's a tendency that when you kind of go, Oh, well, you're academic. Well, don't you want to learn how to read? And it's really hard to kind of hold back and go, you're going to get the same urge to learn how to read as you did to suddenly learn how to do math. And you probably have all those words embedded in your head anyway. I will just, yeah. but then it falls into the thing too of, of just exposure, right? Like to be reading all the time, you know, he sees his sister's reading, he's read to, um, he'll be doing stuff on the computer or doing something else. And all of a sudden he'll have to ask us to read for him. And so it's just that exposure so that it can launch that desire because without that kind of contrast to not knowing how to read, all of a sudden it's like, you know, like it's not it's not easy to not have that knowledge, and he yeah. knows that. And he kind of mutters and goes, "Well, I kind of need to work on that, don't I?" And so it becomes just honest. <laughs> and I think that what I love about homeschooling with my kids is how honest it is. It's just, and for a while we didn't. For a while, everybody, I would see everyone working on workbooks, and and they would go, "Oh, well, this is so boring." <laughs> that was my favorite sentence. Oh, this is so boring. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, "Okay, do you know it?" And then I'd look and I'd realize. It was boring because they had no clue how to do this. <laughs> yeah. Was boring my foot. It's not about boring. But then all of a sudden I would see that once they worked through that, all of a sudden they were excited by it, you know? And it's just been about honest conversation and really bringing that up to the surface and saying, okay, how do you want to do it this year? Or how do you want to do it this week or this month? And what's going off? So now with my two well, eldest, it's really about checking in, touching base, and then going, oh, mom, I really don't feel like doing that. Can I do this instead? And as long as it's about creativity and about passion-driven and about exploration, then I'm always on board. They yeah. can convince me of yeah. anything pretty much. Yeah. Same, same you know. as mine. Yeah. And I think that the scariest part for people who have never experienced homeschooling or unschooling is that, you know, the scariest part is how am I going to do what the school does? How am I going to do what the school does? You know, I don't want to fail them. Like, 
what if I can't keep up with the curriculum and and they fall behind everybody else and what everybody else is doing and um and it's just it's so much more laid back than it is that than people think it is and um it it like you can learn anything that based like for instance my son he was 7 years old when he owned his first business and then he created a website and then he blogs you know what i mean like, but he's doing reading math everything like this while he's yeah. and and money is a huge thing for him so he's budgeting a business he's learning how to how to work a business he's been an employee he gets paid through bitcoin like i could go on right and it's all just basically him following things that he's passionate about that he wants to learn about and it's it's so awesome it is so cool to see um there was one more thing that I was going to touch with. Yeah, oh, right. absolutely. So um, there was this one mom that I met, and she said that she would travel, right, uh, with her kids, her two boys, and her son was 12 before they even began teaching any academics. And all they did was focus on um, relationships and happiness and, and all of this other stuff. And she said that once he said that he was ready to learn academics, he learned he he learned it so quickly. Like he caught right up to grade, grade level within a year. So that I That is fantastic. Held, yeah. So I always held on to that story because I met her, I talked to her, I asked her questions, and I always held on to that story and and um let that guide me when I was being very patient with my son and allowing him to uh, to figure out when he was ready to to begin reading. Um, yeah, you know what? That, so, that, you're so lucky that you had that. Like that to have that. You're so lucky that you had that because really, um, I came from uh, like even with having come from a homeschooling background, I I it was still uh, well. You've got to meet the grade, right? It was still well. How do you make the grade as a homeschooler? And I remember um, I. I met this, um, we had this friend who was an elementary teacher, and he, he finally just turned to me and said, well, he says, I, if I could homeschool, if I had the time, I would homeschool my kids. He says, because really, up until grade six, they are learning reading and your four basic math principles. He's like, and as long as they've got that, he's like, the rest in school is basically just babysitting. He's like, basically, that is just filling the time. And yeah. making sure dealing with all these other people at one time, and I it kind of blew my mind because all of a sudden I was like, yeah, wait. And then another, actually, someone in our homeschooling group also turned to me and said, don't forget, you're not doing school at home. You're homeschooling, and it was like this: you don't have to run the race. You don't. You're not dealing with 40 kids, 20 kids. You're not dealing with a whole range of different abilities and a different amount of social and home scenarios. You're you're with your child and you're picking up on their cues and you're having fun and you're getting to know them. And it's about fostering relationships and about communication. And it's about giving this amazing foundation, you know, and extending. I mean, kids in England go to school, start school at like two and you just go, oh, my God. <laughs> That's like throwing them into a scenario where all of a sudden everyone has to learn to obey your uh, this authority figure no matter what yeah. you know and it's it's just it becomes about being a good citizen rather than a good person or a good you know authentic to yourself mhm wow i love that i'm so glad you shared that um so we got about 11 minutes left and this show went quicker than I thought it was going to go. But I really quickly, I would love for you to share, if you can, if you're willing, a little bit about the visualization that you took us through in your um, workshop, because I do visualizations. I've been learning this stuff forever, teaching this stuff forever, and I've never been walked through a visualization like that. And it was so powerful. And um, yeah, it was, you know, I, it was about my son and what he was really feeling. So if you wanted to share with that a little bit about that, I bet our listeners would love it. Absolutely. Um, I think probably the, to kind of start it off, I think that the important thing is, is to remember that um, as parents so often we're stuck in our own heads, 
we're, we're trying to figure out logically what's happening with our child. Um, we worry, we freak out, we, we make up scenarios that they have no clue <laughs> are really actually yeah. happening. Um, we, we, um, we're in our own minds. And the exercise really came out of the fact that um, actually it came out from my daughters when I was feeling really disconnected from them. When there was a couple of times around when they were eight or nine that I knew that they were really getting their own lives, uh, their own opinions. And I really wanted to kind of come out from that and really understand them. So basically what the visualization is, is um, to close your eyes and to go back to a time when you really felt the essence of your child. And for often that can happen in pregnancy. Often we can, um, when we're pregnant with our child, we get a sense of who they are. We get a sense of um, what they actually feel like. I always compare it to when you are in a room and someone walks in and you don't see who it is, but you always know who it is just by their feeling. And it's a question of first closing your eyes and holding that essence up of your child. Um, it gets rid of everything that they're presenting to you at the moment because our children's actions and what they're presenting only represents what they're feeling. It doesn't represent anything about who they are. Um, so it's going past that. It's sinking into a deeper space within yourself of who they are. And when you find it, it's a question of holding that deeply within yourself. And then simply turning it around and asking your essence to see through the eyes of your child. And to observe life as them without any preconceived notions. It's not, it's not a time to say, oh, well, my child, um, oh, my child's really stubborn. They feel this and this whenever they're in that kind of situation. It, it's not about outside influences. It's about what is your child sensing when they walk in the room? Imagine what it's like to scan the room as them. Imagine what it's like when they come home from school. Imagine them walking down the driveway from off the bus if they go to school. Imagine them in their bed at night. Who are they? And where are they now on the journey that they're on? That was so And when you get a sense of that. Mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say, then the second... The second stage of that, which we did at the workshop, was then to write yourself a letter from them. And that, I think, is where it all kind of comes to terms with, with um, where you actually embody it and when you actually realize what you've experienced. Because it's kind of, you kind of hold yourself back a little bit. I mean, I, I, I teeter-tottered on the exercise for I don't know how many years. of kind of going, really? Can I do this? Am I invading their space? You know, and then you kind of go, no, we're all one on that level. We're all together. Um, and when you feel like it's the right time to do it, it's literally your child's essence, their spiritual self saying, come on, you need to see this. Um, and yeah. when you write the letter, you could actually look at it and go, oh, yeah, that's what I need to remember when I'm with you. And it opens yeah. up so many doors. It's really quite, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm just going to share um, my experience. So I'm just going to share my experience that that I had when when you walked us through it, and it was my, my son who I homeschool is um, 11, and he's in grade six, and he had a really rough experience going through school, and um, he has things like social anxiety, and and um, he's never really formed one friendship within um, a school before I started homeschooling him. Once I started homeschooling him, he was able to, to form friendships because they were, you know, more friends. Uh, the friendships were more um, closer to his personality, I guess. Anyways, and because he's quite a unique, cool, unique kid. And when I, when you took us through that, I kind of 
looked through his eyes and what I got when writing the letter was like, thank you for providing this very safe place for me to be real, authentic, and who I am, but I'm lonely. I am lonely, and he is. He is is extremely lonely. He's, you know, searching for those friendships and those relationships, and he has a challenging time um, finding that. So I did take your advice, you know, after we chatted about it, and it was, um, you know, we could find an online friend like a pen pal, um, somebody to Skype that's maybe not here, but whatever the case is, and we, we came up with a few different things, but since that experience, it was just so freaking enlightening, right? And then I was really able to feel empathetic and really get it. That was my experience. Fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, yeah, and all of a sudden, when you do it and you see that that's where they're coming from, um, we're not. Um, everything connects, right? So because if you mm-hmm. have the motivation or a desire like that, often your decisions are based coming out of that. So you see it in all kinds of different ways. The, um, you know, someone can feel lonely and all of a sudden they can act for some bizarre reason in the opposite, that they're they're reacting in a negative space, that they're pushing people away because it might not turn out to be the right person. So we'll just push them all away and just be done with it. Right. Like there's all kinds of different ways that people react to those little things. And you can see it when you, when you have that little gem, that little enlightening gem where you go, Oh, you're lonely. Then you understand where it's coming from. And you can kind of bring it up and say, you know, I know that you're lonely, but okay. How can we move on from that? How can we create a happier environment for that to welcome that in? You know, how can we not beat that drum of just saying lonely, lonely, lonely and offer something else? So it's yeah. it's really, it's fascinating when you kind of open up to that and how you realize that so often um, we just hold ourselves, we hold our children's behavior as what they are. And I go, oh my God, please don't ever uh, just do that for me. Like, don't hold me up. <laughs> I have stressful yeah. days. You know what I mean? It's like that. I am not my stress. So, but we ask our children to not do that. You know, we ask them to just present themselves all the time as who they are. And it gets so confusing for them. It was funny because um, on the group, I'll tell you this quickly. Um, I don't know if you saw it, but on the group, there's this woman and she was having a lot of problems with her daughter. And she, she was just feeling her daughter's 13 and she was getting really it was just very aggressive and it was so lovely hearing her as she said she started to see just purposely notice the good of her daughter she decided to put all of that away and she um purposely started to notice every time her daughter had a beautiful exchange with her and said the more she noticed it the more they happened and the more Mm -hmm. And she said she literally watched her daughter soften because she was opening up this space for her to soften in. That the more she held her as aggressive teen and held her in this place, it was like the softer version of her couldn't flow through. And we're getting on the group. We're actually all, she keeps sharing all these beautiful stories. We kind of get updates of saying, yeah, and we just went out shopping. And yeah, we're sitting watching a movie together. And yeah, we're, and all of these beautiful things are happening. Or the fact, just for that one little shift, nothing she did, only in her perception, only in this woman yep. um, noticing the beautiful moments. And yeah, it's such so a powerful, powerful lesson where you just go, yeah, yeah. Because like, what we notice, where we put our attention, that is mm-hmm. literally um, what we're going to notice. It, it's awesome. fascinating. It's exciting stuff. I get really, really excited by it. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Um, you know what? We only have like a minute left. And I think that this was so exciting. This show was so exciting. Um, you know, I got to finally talk about homeschooling and unschooling and to another person who does it spiritually, spiritual parenting. I remember when I showed up at your workshop, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just found this online. There's a thing. There's spiritual parenting. This is a thing. I am so there. Um, and, and I was so excited because I've been like looking for other spiritual parents out there to surround myself with. And I found it and I'm so excited that you came on the show, uh, really quickly. got about 30 seconds left. Can you share again with everyone how they can get a hold of you? Absolutely. It's just spirituallyawareparenting.com. 
And you can find me on Facebook, and I'd love to chat. Thank you so much, Christina. This was amazing. Uh, maybe we'll have you back. Thank in you. The I had fun. We, yeah. Okay, take care and have an amazing evening. Thank you. You too. All right, take Thanks. care. Bye now. Bye. And for everyone else, thank you so much for joining me, um, www.empoweringkidsprogram.com. I love you. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.